Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu/visit. Welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. I am your friendly neighborhood host Dre Harrison, and welcome to Hot Takes Wednesday, the taste show with your spiciest opinions regarding the state of Formula One. And with me on this week's edition, it's our wonderful social media admin. It's Hannah Atkinson. <laughs> Hello, Hannah. How's it going? Hello, I'm doing well. The hot takes today are some of my favorites, so I'm really excited for this episode. Yeah, I'll let you know a little secret, folks. Hannah's the one that normally does the picking of them on mm. Twitter. So um, maybe if you butter her up on Instagram at HannahWTF1, maybe you've got a better chance of getting selected. Just, just, just throwing that out there. And if you hate the hot takes one week, blame me. It's all my fault. <laughs> I love that you just fell on this grenade. For, for, you know, for, for our I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Had a goal, Hannah. Uh, you're, you're, you're a team player. We do love to see that. So just a quick explanation, because every podcast is somebody's first. On this show on Hot Takes Wednesday, you, the wonderful WTF1 viewing public, send us your hot takes and spicy opinions regarding the state of Formula One. We'll talk about them, and then at the end, we will score them on a scale of one to five. One being that we strongly disagree with the take, and five being that we strongly agree. And we'll have a bit of back and forth and discussion about each of the takes as well um, as they come in. If we score, if both if we both agree on a one or a five, they'll go into a special cauldron, I like to nickname it, of our hottest and coldest takes of the year, which will be an end-of-season special. So look forward to that in December. It'll be a great Christmas present alongside your inevitable can of Lynx Africa. So, uh, Hannah, are you ready to go for this week's edition of Hot Takes Wednesday? Absolutely. Are you ready? That's more important. Ready as I'll ever be. Great. Uh, so let's get into it. Take number one for this week. Marcin uh, Zygmunt, who sent in another interesting opinion. And this one is very interesting. Okay, so it goes, as a single measurement, number of podiums is the best stat to look at when debating the greatest of all time. Uh, one more time. That's Marcin who says, as a single measurement, number of podiums is the best stat to look at when debating the GOAT. Now, Hannah, what do you make of that? Yeah, this is an interesting one. And I really like the thinking behind this because in a way, it's the most consistent way of gathering data to decide on a, in quotation marks, GOAT. Um, I guess it could work with wins too, although I feel like when you're leading a race, there's a lot of things that could happen that you know are unlucky or whatever it is. And, and podiums are a great way to kind of see how consistent you can be when you're not at the front. Um, so I, I feel like maybe in a way percentage of podiums could be a better way of looking at it instead of number, because I guess the amount of race starts someone has could affect the, like if you've got 200, uh, race starts, you're probably gonna have more podiums than someone with 100 race starts, but it all depends on how well you do in those races. So maybe percentage could be better, but I really like the thinking behind this and, um, it's an interesting take. Yeah, I, I I think you hit on something that I think is a better version of what Marcin said. I think percentage of podiums would make a lot more sense because going by sheer number is a problem. Now, I am a bit of an F1 nerd. We joke around in the office that I'm like <laughs> the, the, the nerd of the group, which is completely true, by the way. I may have to add that. And never I a bad thing either. I'd like to think so, um, <laughs> personally. You know, I don't want to be too harsh on myself, but... 
I do agree to an extent. I think podiums are a good measure of consistency. The only issue I have is that if, I mean, the sport is now 75 or so years old since it's most modern, what we now call Formula One started up in 1950. Seasons are a lot bigger now than what they used to be. Now, if you go by some of the generally regarded legends of like the 50s and 60s, the Fangios, the Ascaris, Jackie Stewart, um, you know, Louder, etc., like who raced maybe like 40, 50 years ago, their seasons were a lot smaller. Like I think Jim Clark, for example, was racing when F1 seasons are only like eight or nine races long. So sheer quantity isn't going to work. I mean, I pulled up the list of all-time podium sitters in F1 history in front of me right now. Do you know who's 10th on, you know on that list? Anna, do you want to know? Who? Valtteri Bottas. No way. 67. Wow. If, 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 you if would one, never, ever guess that. Yeah, it, it, and it favours the modern era because F1 seasons are now, what, this is the 23-race season we've got this year. You go back to some of the older years, even when I was growing up in like the late nineties, which makes me sound a little bit old, exposing the fact I'm a 30 year old man. Um, (laughs) Even then those F1 seasons were like 16, 17 races. So as, as the sport has come towards the modern era, seasons have gotten bigger. So sheer quantity, I don't think really works on the same level because you look at the all time list. Lewis Hamilton's got numbers. He's got 191. Then you got Michael at 155. Vettel, 122. Crossed 106. Kimi Raikkonen, 103. Now, Raikkonen was great, but you're not putting him fifth all-time with just one world championship, most likely. Then you got Alonso on 100. Ayrton Senna, we all know he died early. He, he, he died before his cruiser. He only had 80. Like, I actually thought Senna would have had more than that, funnily enough. Rubens Barrichello is ninth all-time with 68. You know, and then you've got David Coulthard on 11th with 62. So you, you, you look at the list and you go, hang on a minute. Mm. Air quantity probably doesn't work, and even then, I would be I would be more inclined to go with other counting stats like number of race wins. I think is a bit more evergreen and a bit more timeless. And percentage stats, I think, generally are a slightly better measure of a driver's career than just sheer hard numbers. Um, mm. Counting stats do work to a degree, but I don't think they work. Overall, I think it's something. I think it's something that's certainly worth looking at. Something that I would consider maybe in debating how great a driver is all time. But I, it's not something that I would necessarily say podiums over like the bigger stats like world championships, wins, you know, pole positions, etc. So I'm going to say with that in mind, I'm going to go two. I don't strongly disagree. But I don't think podiums are one of the headline stats for a goat debate. Um, how do you really? feel about that? Yeah, no, I I get what you're saying completely. I feel like I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I'm going to say a four. Okay. Just because I think that I I get what you're saying about how podiums probably aren't the best way to you know debate a goat. But if we took the percentage aspects but used podiums, I feel like that could be a really good way of doing it. So I I agree with the hot takes a lot, but just slightly uh, changing it with the percentage instead of just counting podiums. So I'm going to give it a four. 
Uh, if, if that was such a hot take, the police have come outside your house. So, oh yeah, no! It, it can might... you hear that? <laughs> just, just briefly ignore that. It'll take yeah. five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I have to keep Actually, that in there. you know what? It's a fire engine, so it really was a hot take. There you go. But it, it, it's perfect timing. You, you couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> I mean, also, quick side note: if you want to look at podium percentage all time, Hanwell Malfangio is top at sixty-eight percent. So wow. that, actually, that okay. actually that actually holds up because I know a lot of people think Fangio is the greatest of all time, and Hamilton is second on sixty-one percent. So wow. yeah, it actually I think looking at the list in general. For the guys that had a lot of Grand Prix, it does add up a little bit more. You go Fangio, Hamilton, mm. Farina, Prost is fourth, Ascari fifth, Michael Schumacher sixth, Ayrton seventh, Max eighth. So Okay, so yeah, it's debatable. It's debatable, but I, I do think your idea of percentage does add up a little bit better, I would say, overall. So, yeah, I think there's something to do with that, Hannah. Um, okay, take number two is from Nicholas Sabah, and Nicholas uh, sends in a tweet that says, Lewis Hamilton would rather retire than drive for Red Bull. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> Interesting. Lewis Hamilton would rather retire than drive for Red Bull. Now, what do you think of that, Hannah? I think deep down, Lewis wants to get his eighth enough that he won't care who he drives for. I feel like, if anything, in Lewis's mind, if he did drive for Red Bull eventually at some point in his career, it would prove to people that doubt him that he still has the talent and the skill to drive for a top team that's not Mercedes. Because I feel like he's been at Mercedes for so long. People say, oh, he won his championships because, you know, he was at Mercedes and he knows the car and they're the quickest, da, 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 all of those reasons. But if he did drive for Red Bull at some point, it does prove that he is able to do both. Um, I do think the likelihood of Lewis going to Red Bull is very low. But if the opportunity comes his way and it, Red Bull is still the fastest team, I surely he can't say no. I feel like the question is more, would Red Bull want Lewis than mm. would Lewis want Red Bull? Because, you know, in Red Bull, I feel like there's a lot of uh, young talent that's coming up. And I just, I don't know. I can't think of a situation where Red Bull would want Lewis to be in that seat, uh, especially if Max is still around. I, I feel like, <laughs> I don't know how that teammate, those two te as teammates would work do you think it could work at all no. because yeah surely not after everything that's happened it would just be a recipe for disaster right uh, no I don't think they can coexist in the same lineup I've, I've, I've said for a couple of years those two race each other differently and yeah. that would not work I Max takes more liberties with Lewis than any other driver and I think Lewis gets extremely defensive when Max is around because I don't think they trust each other on track as drivers and if you want to race each other properly you need trust mm. um that's how i look at it um the take itself how much of this is general red bull versus mercedes fan beef i wonder because i mean it's such a divisive fan base territorial war between those on the hamilton side of the fence and those on the verstappen side of the fence so i don't know exactly like, I don't think those two fan bases like each other at all. And I think that's why this sort of take has come out of it. I don't think Red Bull would ever take Hamilton on. In fact, there's a video coming out with me commentating about this very prospect tomorrow. So look forward to that on the <laughs> WTF1 YouTube channel. But within it, I'll let you in on a, on a little uh, preview of that. 
I said that I don't think Hamilton and Verstappen would be able to coexist. And I don't think Christian Horner wants Lewis Hamilton in his team because I think he's got the perfect setup. Verstappen is their big hitter. He can spearhead the team and win the majority of races. And Perez can be an excellent cleanup guy as a de facto number two. I don't think there's any room for Hamilton in that team anyway. But does Lewis Hamilton, quote unquote, despise Red Bull enough to the point where he would ignore his own desire for world title number eight, which we all know um, Hamilton is super keen on winning number eight. We, we and it, Most people saw the Sky Sports lie detector test that went semi-viral about how desperate he is for eight. It's not exactly subtle that he wants world title number eight. Not at all. Um, and especially after 2021, I can completely understand why he's so determined to come back and win it. Would would his despise or hate for driving for Red Bull supersede that desire for number eight? I don't know. Now, it's a very subjective opinion. Hamilton's played down the possibility of leaving every time the question's been asked of him so far this season. And he is a free agent at the end of the year as well. There's a lot of different ways of looking at this. My gut tells me he's going to stick around. Um, and I think Mercedes is still his best option to win. So I guess that means your tweet is kind of right, Nicholas, I suppose, in that he would probably rather retire than, than leave Mercedes and join Red Bull. I guess. I, I I think he's loyal enough to the brand, and I think he probably knows that this is his most likely chance of winning because Honda doesn't want him at Red Bull anyway. So I'm going to go four on this one. I actually agree with you. I don't think Hamilton will ever drive for Red Bull, and I think he probably would rather park it than go there and potentially be Max Verstappen's number two. Um, how do you feel about it, Hannah? I'm struggling on ranking this one because initially I thought, yeah, four, you know, just because I don't think it's likely at all that Lewis will drive for Red Bull, but I do I think he would rather retire? I don't know. It's a, it's a really tricky one. Maybe I'm more on the on the kind of three mark because I feel like it could go both ways. I don't think that Lewis would ever drive for Red Bull, but do I think he would retire first without an eighth? I'm just going to stick it in the middle and say three because I really don't know. But I do see both sides of it. Yeah, that's fair. I was tempted to go three on this one myself. I, I, I do get it. It's a very subjective sort of take. It. It's uh, it's a very much a matter of outsider's perspective and how you want to look at it. So I could, I could certainly see an argument on that either way. I lean towards agreeing more because I just don't think I could ever see Hamilton in the blue of a Red Bull. <laughs> I, I I just can't get there on that one, Nicholas. I, I hope you can understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> Maybe I, in a parallel universe. Yeah, you know, yeah, some, some, in, an act of fiction um, or something along those lines. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. I know I am. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding, because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com WTF1 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WTF1. Ben on Twitter asks, Mick Schumacher will never drive in another F1 season. He's two years younger than Max, who is a two-time world champion, and stuck at Mercedes, who have two very good, consistent drivers. So, Mick Schumacher takes. Uh, like We're getting takes about reserve drivers. This is how popular <laughs> the F1 Twitter sphere has gotten now. And there's another one to come about a reserve driver. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, one more time. Mick Schumacher will never drive in another F1 season. He's two years younger than Max, who's a two-time world champion, and stuck at Mercedes, who have two very good, consistent drivers. Should I take this one first? Yeah, go for it. I'll take this one first. Um, the age, The age argument is a bit unfair. And I say it's a bit unfair because Max debuted at 17. And as long as the rules don't change, that will never happen again because it was a retrospective change that made the super license rule an 18-year-old minimum. So Max, he's 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 going to forever be a part of F1 history unless the rules change. So using his age as an argument, I think, is a little bit unfair because Max debuted younger than any driver in history. You know, he was scouted as a 15-year-old when he when he was a year out of karting. He was the definition of a super prospect, um, more than anyone we've probably ever seen in F1. Um, Mick, Mick's always been a bit of a slow learner. I remember watching him in the juniors. It took him two years to win in Formula 3. It took him two years to win in Formula 2. So his progression was always a little bit slower. Max was only, I think, a one-and-done in European Formula 3 before going to what was then called Toro Rosso, now Alpha Tauri. So it, I do largely agree with this take in the sense of most guys only get one shot in F1. Like, it's rare that you see drivers come out of the sport and then come back in. Like, like that's rare. You don't see it in very many examples. Um, normally, once you're done, you're done. So... I do get that argument. I also think that there is precedent that being a reserve can get your foot back in the door again. I mean, we saw that with Alex Albon, for example. He was Red Bull's reserve driver in 2021, but then came back when Williams needed a driver in 2022. So again, you can use both sides of the argument here that I generally lean towards the one way most drivers get one chance. But we've now seen if you stay in the pool a little bit longer, you might get a second opportunity. We saw that with Esteban Ocon. We saw, we, as well, because Ocon sat out a year as well. Um, Hulkenberger sat out years before in Formula One, and he's a twice, actually, um, <laughs> that Hulkenberger's come back. So it's it's not unthinkable if the right scenario drops for you that someone else might give you a chance. Um I mean, what did you make of it, Hannah, as well? Because, like, Mick was a controversial sacking from Haas in the first place for, for Nico Hulkenberg. So how do you feel about it? And do you think there's a way back in for him? Yeah, I, I do think that bringing Hulkenberg in was probably the right decision. Um, it is a tricky one because, unfortunately, I do think it's likely that Mick won't get another drive back in F1. I think simply because of how much young talent there is out there and how much choice these teams have. And, you know, Mick's been in the sport um, and has left the sport and he's had his chance to kind of prove himself in a way. Whereas 
and obviously now he is the Mercedes reserve driver. When you think about maybe being promoted to an F1 driver for Mercedes, I think that's unlikely because Russell's not going anywhere. Lewis is going to be there, in my opinion, for another two or three years. I know that's not official, but that's just what I think. Um, And when it does come to the time where one of them leaves, if Mick is even still the reserve driver, I think that Mercedes, that there's bound to happen that there's going to be more young talent that come through who haven't had their chance to prove themselves. And I don't think Mick's going to be number one on their list. Um, So I don't think it's likely, which is a shame. Um, But... We'll see. How would you score it? Mm, I'm going to score it. A f- Do I go for a five? I think I'm going to go for a five. Five? Wow. So strongly you agree, right? Strongly agree that Mick is done, permanent, gone, never coming back, never seeing another seat again. And I don't think it's because he's not capable. I just think that now that he's out, time's going to go on. There's going to be new young talent that come up that's going to be team's first choice. That's what I think. And that's why I'm giving it a five. It's a fair point. Like this, this sport moves on very quickly. There's always exciting talent coming up through Formula 2 and other junior series. I mean, we even had IndyCar drivers getting potentially scouted like Colton Herty last year, for example, when AlphaTauri got a little bit desperate um, for youngsters potentially coming through. This is a tough one because I, I still think that Mick Schumacher was pretty good last year. I've actually had a hot take of my own that I thought he was better than Kevin Magnussen a lot of, for a lot of last year. But I also said I can understand why Haas got rid of him because they're a small team. They haven't got a lot of resources, and Mick caused a lot of crash damage. Saudi Arabia, Monaco, you know, races where he completely wrote off a car or a chassis tub, and it's, that's millions of dollars. Um, and at what point does that start to matter for a smaller team? If you're Ferrari, you you, you could you're, you're better prepared to lose an entire car financially. Haas haven't got that kind of luxury or flexibility. So at what point does that start to matter? You know, so I, I get the argument both ways. I tend to agree with you, actually, on this one, that I think I, I don't see an easy way back in. I don't see it being at Mercedes because, again, I think Hamilton will stay. Russell is in his or entering his prime, and he's been excellent for Mercedes so far. The other Mercedes-powered teams that might be able to throw him a bone, Aston Martin's got their lineup. Fernando's going to be there for at least another two years, and Stroll is there as long as I think he wants to be there, personally. Um, McLaren's got a, a young driver of their own to build around with Oscar Piastri, and Lando Norris is there for the next three years anyway. And then you look at Williams... Maybe, but Albon's been really good. And Logan Sargent, I think, has generally been quite good as a rookie so far. So even if Mercs were like, here, we're shopping Mick out to somebody, I don't think any of the Mercedes teams would take Mick right now. I think a lot of their teams are all set. So with that in mind, I'm, I'm going to go four. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to completely go all the way and say five because we've seen guys come back before. It is certainly possible. But I think... It's going to be, um, I don't see an easy way back in for Mick. And I think I, I lean towards you on that one, Hannah, um, on that one. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go four on that one. Uh, we still haven't had both of us agree on a five yet, which I think is quite no, interesting. Not yet. Not yet. Well, there's three left, so we'll that, see. That's the closest we've come since then. So that's interesting. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. So um, Adrian Castro is next with take number four. Um, 
this is a Daniel Ricardo sympathy letter uh, take by the looks of it. And uh, this is a fun one. It goes, quote, it was never Daniel that couldn't drive the car. McLaren simply just can't make a car now. Uh, it was never Daniel that couldn't drive the car. McLaren simply just can't make a car now. And that's um, Adrian Castro. What do you reckon, Hannah? Is it more of a car problem with McLaren than the drivers they had? No, I think... Unfortunately, I do think it was more of a Daniel thing um, than a McLaren thing. And if you do look at the last couple of years, it's not like McLaren have been strong. You know, they've been definitely on the back foot and they've not been as fast as they have been in years like 2020, for example. But I think the fairest way to look at this is comparatively against Lando, because that's all you can really do when deciding on how good a car is, whether it's between a car or the drivers, you have to look at the teammate situation. And for the last couple of years, Lando has been stronger than Daniel in the championship. He was you know, pushing the limits of the car and he was outperforming the McLaren. So in that way, when we've seen the potential of what McLaren could be, which wasn't as strong as 2020, but still stronger than Daniel's performances. So in a way, because of how big the gap was between Lando and Daniel in the last couple of years, I feel like you you kind of can't really say it was a McLaren thing. It was definitely more of a driver thing. And I don't think that Daniel deserves to be out of F1. I still think he's got the talent. Um, and you could argue that the McLaren is built around Lando's style, driving style, and he's been at that team for so long. So it makes sense to have him as the number one driver. He's used to the car. So, you know, there are a lot of factors and you could also argue that Daniel was quite unlucky last year, but actually overall, I think it is more of a Daniel thing than a McLaren thing. I'm so sorry, um, but <laughs> I just, I have to say it. I agree for the most part. I, I think that Lando Norris is walking proof that that car can be used effectively. And to be fair, I think a lot of that is how they've had their careers play out. I think Lando debuted at McLaren. He's been there his whole career. All he knows about driving an F1 car has come through McLaren. And I think that's probably actually helped him throughout the years of being an F1 driver. Daniel was incredible at Renault, especially the second year he was at Renault before he joined McLaren. In 2020, his 2020 season was incredible. Multiple podiums, a ton of top five finishes. I think he was fifth in the championship that year in, in a midfield car. I think that was like... So I don't think Ricardo's skills just completely dropped off a cliff. I think the McLaren, there is something to that McLaren being hard to drive. But Oscar Piastri has walked in to McLaren and I think been very good so far his pace has been good he qualified in q3 in saudi arabia was obviously his race was ruined a little bit by pierre gasly during saudi arabia so it's hard to tell but he's running side by side with norris all the way through in saudi arabia as well he had to do a super long stint on the hard tire as well so like i think piastri is has come into to f1 again not knowing anything else about driving an f1 car and he's been fine I think that's been part of the problem. I think Daniel couldn't adapt his style of driving to what McLaren specifically was in their cars. So I think with Oscar now with McLaren, and I think actually a little bit before that when they had Carlos Sainz there as well, Carlos Sainz was very good at McLaren too. So I think with that in mind, Daniel stands out more as an outlier to what McLaren's overall status as a team is. I look at McLaren and I go, the driver talent isn't the problem. Um, so to a degree, 
I get it that McLaren not being able to make a car is part of the take because they have slipped down the constructors' boards. They were third a few years ago. They're now bottom through two races, and they were they were fifth last year. Um, so they have slipped. They've slowly gone down the last few years. So I think there is something to this take. Um, so I'm I'm not going to go one on it. Um, but I do disagree that that it it was it, it was more than just you know Daniel can't drive. Um, so I'm going to say two on this one. I disagree. I think it's I think Daniel definitely just didn't get used to the car. But I also want to give some mitigation here and say that McLaren have absolutely been worse the last few years than they've been previously, and that might factor in a little bit as well. Hannah, how are you scoring this? Yes, I think I do agree with you. I mean, I was tempted to go straight for the one, just because if you take the hot take as itself, it's uh, it was never Daniel that couldn't drive the car. It was McLaren. I do think it was Daniel, so I was going to give it a one. But then earlier in hot takes, I you know that percentage question about podiums yeah. being for, uh, debated for the go. I agreed with it, but then I didn't agree with one part of it. So I knocked it down. So I feel like I can't take this hot take as itself. I have to kind of agree with you and, um, you know, take bits and pieces. So I'm going to say a two as well. Yep. Fair enough. Can't argue with that. Um, yeah. I think there's a bit more to it than Daniel just dropping off a cliff. Um, but I think Piastri is going to be walking proof that there is more to it than than just the car as well. So I, I think Piastri's been very good so far, certainly one to watch so far this season. Uh, HT28 Radu on Twitter. And this is another one in the Hamilton uh, line of thinking. The take reads, Angela Cullen's departure is a sign that Hamilton will retire at the end of his current contract. So you think this is going to be Hamilton's final season, Radu? Interesting. Okay, one more time. Angela Cullen's departure is a sign that Hamilton will retire at the end of his current contract. How, how do you feel about that one, Hannah? Yeah, I I have to disagree with this one, I have to say. I think Lewis and Toto even, but mainly Lewis has been very open about the fact that he doesn't want to go anywhere. He's wants to stick around for a few years and he's not planning to leave at the end of the year. He wants his eighth. You know, he said all of these things. So... And obviously, I don't know what happens behind the scenes and I don't know the situation with Angela and how she left or when she decided to leave or what happened there. But you would like to think that it was kind of in the making in a way, like it wasn't just a sudden thing. It was probably planned a couple of months ago or however long, who knows? But I think the likelihood is that it was. And so I don't think Lewis would have said those things if it was a rash decision. I think, you know, Angela leaving he probably already knew that and already had made his mind up that he wasn't going to go anywhere and at the beginning of his career he raced without Angela as well so it's not like he doesn't know F1 without Angela you know I, I this one's short and sweet for me but I disagree interesting now the details regarding Angela Cullen are interesting in as, as well because Lewis made it seem amicable on social media when it was announced um, but then Toto Wolf kind of let slip in media interviews that he had done over the weekend in Saudi that um, actually it was Hamilton's call um, because I'm pretty sure Angela isn't an official Mercedes employee. It, she was just a member of Hamilton's close circle that I'm sure I'm sure Hamilton was paying for her 
obviously. But um, but yeah, like it's it's interesting that Hamilton made this decision. If 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 Toto is to be believed, and I don't see any reason not to, um, that it's I, I could see why that's planted the seed for this take because, well, you know, if Lewis is departing from someone that must be a close friend, given how they've interacted on social media and how they talk about each other, someone that's clearly a close figure in, in Lewis's life. Um, that's probably planted a bit of a seed for people to think that, oh, well, Lewis can't be happy then if he's cut one of his close friends from his from from this traveling circle. I again, no, I I agree with you, Hannah, that I don't think it's going to lead to him retiring. I still think he's going to stick around. I think he's determined for number eight, um, as said earlier, and I don't think him cutting terms with Angela is going to suddenly change his mind on that. Um, as much as it is an intriguing viewpoint to look at it, and I think it is something that is worth acknowledging, I don't think it will actually lead to Hamilton retiring earlier than planned. Or Because like I said, he's a free agent at the end of the season. This is He's on the last year of his contract. So you're, you're, this this tweet means he's retiring at the end of this year. And I just, I just can't see him doing that personally. I think he's determined to try and get number eight and turn it around with Mercedes. So with that in mind... I'm probably going to go one here. Um, I, I, I'm I, in the camp of strongly disagreeing. I, I don't think Hamilton's going anywhere just yet. How, how do you feel about it, Hannah? I completely agree with you. I'm going one strongly disagree for this one. It's going on the list. It's going <laughs> on the list of of, of, of the uh, hottest and coldest takes of the year. So congratulations, Roddy. You, 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 got, you got in for something. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's going to be a one on that one for me as well. So, yeah, it, it's going in the pot for the hottest takes of the year. So uh, congrats on that one, I suppose. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, here's the last take for the episode. It's from Santi, R6 Santi on Twitter, and they have put in uh, another McLaren take. Daniel Ricciardo will score the same amount of points that McLaren will at the Australian Grand Prix. <laughs> oh, no. So I'm going to assume that means zero then, unless there's <laughs> yes. an emergency standing. And Dan- I know Daniel's in the area. He, 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 I, know he's, I know he's local uh, for this mm-hmm. race, but uh, I'm going to assume Daniel scores nothing this weekend either. So, yeah, Daniel Ricciardo will score the same amount of points that McLaren will at the Australian Grand Prix this weekend. So... Do you think McLaren, Anna, will somehow go three scoreless weekends in a row? I mean, I think it's definitely possible. And I would even go as far as to say it's likely. I mean, if you look at the last two races, McLaren have not scored any points. And they haven't really been close to points either. Um, So I don't even think this is too much of a hot take, in my opinion, because I feel like it's quite likely. And I know if you look at Saudi Arabia... Uh, Piastri started eighth on the grid. Mm. He had a bit of bad luck in lap one, and then uh, his damage caused Lando some damage, which is just the worst luck ever for McLaren, by the way. Um, So it's annoying that we couldn't see the full potential. Um, But if if you look at Saudi Arabia as a weekend for McLaren, despite the damage, it looked okay. I mean, they were both similar pace, uh, Norris and Piastri. Um, Piastri qualify. I mean, Norris didn't have a great qualifying at all, but Piastri did have a good qualifying. Mm. So it's definitely not impossible for them to be in the points. But even if they did get into Q3, would they stay in that top ten? Who knows? I, I think they're probably not the not the strongest midfield team at the moment at all by any means. I mean, are they are they actually last? in the standings i think they are right okay yeah on count back um 
So I think it's very possible for them to get zero points and a strong weekend isn't really looking likely. This is an interesting one because I think Oscar Piastri proved in Saudi Arabia that this car isn't outright slow. Mm. He, did, he did a brilliant job to make Q3 and start eighth on the grid in that race. And as, as we mentioned, Gasly kind of ruined his race before it even started. What worries me is that they came out of the pits during that race, obviously having to take an extra stop to change front wings and whatnot. They couldn't chase the field up. Like they were stuck fighting with Logan Sargent for a good chunk of that race in like 14th, 15th sort of place. So it's not like they have got enough outright pace on the midfield to work their way up through the field like Pierre Gasly did in Bahrain. That's an example I wanted to use because in Bahrain, Gasly started last but still finished ninth. So he had enough pace to cut through the midfield. McLaren's not been able to do that, but I wonder if they can hold position. So if they qualify well, if they make Q3, which is not unthinkable given they've already had a McLaren make Q3 this season, could they hold it? That's what I'm curious about. And, and so if they can hold position better than they can chase, they might have a chance of nicking a point or two. Um, because again, I don't think they're slow outright. I just don't think they can dominate that midfield because it's such a mess. The back half of the grid right now between Haas, Alpha Tauri, Williams, McLaren and Alfa Romeo is, I think is really, really close. Um, and I think Alpine are the clear fifth best team. So even then, with that in mind, I have to go back on myself a little bit as well because I think Alpine could take the bottom end of the points. So I lean towards agreeing with this take. I think if even if McLaren get a clean weekend, I think it's going to be more for something like 12th or 13th as opposed to 9th or 10th. So I'm going to say four on this one. I, I agree for the most part. Again, I still think there's an outside chance that if they qualify well and they, and they can keep it because Australia, we're going to have four DRS zones as well. So, you know, potential for a lot of overtaking as well. So I think we'll see whether their pace really does hold up. But I, I lean towards agreeing with them. So I'm going to say four on this one. How do you feel about it, Hannah? I completely agree with you. Again, I'm going to say four. I do think McLaren will get the same amount of points as Daniel Ricciardo for the Australian Grand Prix. And aren't you excited to see Daniel Ricciardo back in a back at an F1 race? It'll be great. It's fun. He, he's, a, he's a good interview. He's a great media guy. I'm sure someone will use him on TV at some point or another. <laughs> yes. like, like, how would they It'll not? It'll be silly not to. Yeah. yeah, either Sky or F1 TV or somebody will use him because he's Daniel Ricciardo. He's a, he's, a great, he's a great engaging character and you don't get people like that in F1 very often. And yeah, I, I certainly think he'll be used at some point by someone within the media. So that'll always be fun, right? So... No, not scoring any points, though. I don't no, think. no, no. Not not unless Perez gets COVID or something. Not that I would wish that upon him or anything silly like that. But uh, but uh, that's yeah. the only way he could get points. Really. Yeah, most likely. But that'll do it for Hot Takes Wednesday. Um, uh, thanks to everyone for sending in your your spicy takes. Um, more again next week after the Australian Grand Prix. Looking forward to going through some of those. And be sure to keep watching us for more content. Check out the uh, WTF1 Wrap by MoneyGram over the weekend. Some very cool guests coming up as well over the Aussie weekend so look forward to that but until then from me and from Hannah thank you very much for listening and I'll catch you guys next time sayonara bye